Hi everyone, welcome back to the New Managers Club podcast for episode 11. I'm Ali. And I'm Molly. And welcome to our club. Today is a special day. We are talking about our most important and profound reflections from a year in management people, a whole year. Can you believe it, Molly? We've been managers for a year. It's crazy. That's flown by. I know, hasn't it? Uh, But today we'll be discussing the highs, lows and everything we've learned along the way. So strap in because you're coming along for the ride. And make sure you listen to the end of this episode to hear us discuss an important resource we've learned from this week. So, Molly, thinking back to how you felt a year ago on the precipice of becoming a manager for the very first time, everything ahead of you, how did you feel? What were you most kind of nervous about? Did you have any concerns or was it all optimism? No, I had a lot of concerns and... I, I really, if I'm being honest, I didn't know if I was cut out for it, wow. but I wanted to give it a go, and so I, I think I was a bit nervous at the time, and I think the biggest thing that I came up against, which we did speak about in um, a previous episode, is what I thought I should be like as a manager versus what I should be like as a manager, and mm. what is natural to me, so I think that was the biggest sort of conflict and being nervous, like, oh, I should be this person, or I need to become this person in the beginning. But actually, that didn't matter anyway. Yeah. Do you feel like over the course of the year, you've got closer to bringing these two ideas together, kind of who you should be versus who you authentically are as a leader? I'm getting closer. I, I think it's something that I keep having to remind myself often, like, when I think... Or a good leader would do it like that, but that's not what I think I should be doing right now. It's sort of like a constant reminder, but less. And I, don't, I think the difference now is I don't feel bad about those times where I'm confident in my own decisions. Yeah. How about you? Um, I think I agree in kind of confidence in my own decisions. When I used to, when I think back to kind of how I was a year ago, I was so unsure and so... Um, I feel like I couldn't, I couldn't just kind of stand on my own two feet and hold myself to a decision. As in, like, if something went wrong, I feel like I would have been the first person to be like, oh my God, and like throw my hands up and been like, okay, how do I fix this? Like, just go straight into the mode of trying to, you know, set things right or do the proper thing or get things 100% accurate. Whereas now I'm much more forgiving with myself and with other people, I think, as well. Um which I think gives rise to more kind of creativity, more confidence, more ability to accept that things don't always quite go to plan. I feel like yeah. I have become more more forgiving is probably the, the perfect word for it, like I said, in relation to myself and probably to others too. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So give me a quick kind of timeline. What have you achieved in your first year as a manager what have been some of your highlights have there any been any things that maybe didn't quite go to plan what has the year kind of looked like for you I think what I thought that I would achieve in my first year of management is quite different to what I actually achieved so I had these big plans of like like quite key milestones that I wanted to hit in terms of goals in terms of numbers for certain projects that I wanted to reach that just haven't happened they weren't necessarily realistic goals but I was like I can come and I can really make this happen I can shape this now but actually I spent so much time just getting to grips with managing people and we spoke before the interruptions throughout the day from various different people when you're in a management role 
and just I think it ended up being a bit of a survival <laughs> learning year as opposed to rapid growth but that's what I'm sort of hoping for as I go into the second year is that I can hit that yeah hit that rapid growth I've got the fundamentals right I know what I'm doing now I feel confident in my ability to lead a team ish <laughs> that sounded super confident I've got a little way to go but from where I was a year ago it's you know worlds apart but yeah do you feel like a different person professionally um I don't know if I feel like a different person professionally I just think I have a better understanding of work mm. Um, mm. and we've spoken about before how you know people in senior leadership in high management roles they although they look like they know what they're doing all the time and have it together they don't and that realization yeah so I wouldn't say I feel like a different person at all I think just more comfortable and confident in myself than I did at the beginning amazing well, that's good progress. So um, for anyone that doesn't, obviously I've had the benefit of watching your management journey firsthand, being on the end of the phone, pretty much any time <laughs> anything happened, good or bad, um, which I'm not complaining about for a second. But for anyone, obviously our listeners that maybe don't know, so talk us through some of the things that have happened in your first year as a manager. So, you know, team has anything happened there have you had to recruit have you had to do anything that you maybe didn't expect to have to do as a manager have there been any challenges that you've come up against yeah so I think in the beginning the challenge that I came up against was the shift from having to do all of the work to then managing the team that does the work but I also at the same time for months and months and months I didn't put down the work and I tried to do both for a really long time so sort of getting over that challenge was quite big and then my Next challenge was coming up against different difficult personalities mm. um, that I don't necessarily agree with. Whereas in a junior role, you just sort of crack on and get on with it. But when you're in a management role and you have more influence over how things go, addressing and speaking up with things that I don't agree with was a massive learning curve using your seat at the table using your seat at the table yeah and we've spoken about that on previous episodes haven't we and so that was at the time that felt so hard to get over that hurdle where I was just like oh I need to say that this is not right this is not okay and once I'd actually done that it felt like such a weight had been lifted and then I felt more like I don't think although I can have it's never easy to have difficult conversations with people. I feel much more confident now that I can do that. And the world's not going to end. Mm. Like, nothing terrible is going to happen if you're clear in what you're saying, you're open and honest about something that you're, you know, having issues with or you don't agree with and you've got solid you know, reasoning why you're saying those things. The world's not going to end. You're not going to lose your job. Mm. It's, it's totally fine to have an opinion and... Yeah, so I think having difficult conversations was another big one. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I've sort of come up against and still trying to overcome, and I think it's a lifelong thing, is getting out of my own head. I think that was the biggest thing coming into a management role and even like applying for a management role. I was like, 
can I do this? I can't picture myself leading a team, thinking I'm not that sort of person. When I got in the role, I was like, oh, am I doing this right? But I just have to get out of my own head. Like, it's the biggest challenge was me doubting myself. The actual job itself, it's... I'm not going to say it's not hard, because there are things that come up in every job that are difficult, but they're all manageable. The biggest thing to overcome was self-doubt. How about for you? What about me? Well, I, as I've kind of talked about um, in this podcast before, I came to management with no team. So the biggest thing for me was probably like recruiting that team, um, working on what it looked like, who I kind of needed, what skills I needed, going through the recruitment process, which was interesting and very, very different to how I thought it would be. Um, Like, I thought recruitment would be so fun. Spoiler alert, it's really not fun. (laughs) It's probably, like, the biggest ball ache I've had (laughs) in all of management. Like, there's obviously been more pressing you know, challenges and more serious things to deal with. But in terms of just something being a little bit soul-destroying, like recruitment is probably it. I don't know if you mm. found that as well, Molly. Do you think if you had a bigger pool of applicants, it would be easier? No. No? Harder. Mm. I don't know. I just, there's, I just find the whole process of recruitment really strange. Like the fact that they're literally no proof of concept really like you can set tasks you can ask them to demonstrate skills in practical ways the applicants this is but there's no guarantee there's no you know way to confirm someone i like accuracy i like knowing i like being certain on things like people are not a safe bet and that was a really hard pill to swallow i think for me and luckily i have been Thankfully, I have been pretty lucky with who I've ended up with. Well, very lucky um, with who I've ended up with. I only hesitate to say luck because obviously, like, it was a very rigorous process. Like, they didn't land the role by luck. But um, the the team that I have now, I'm very, very fortunate to have. But it certainly wasn't plain sailing to get to that point. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing for me. I kind of felt like, oh, I'll get the team in. And, like, then it will just be smooth sailing from there. And, Christ, I could not have been more wrong about that. That was not, that was like the start of um, the challenges, not the end of it. Um, but, it, you know, in a in a good way, in lots of ways, you know, challenges make work rewarding and it hasn't all been bad things by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of it has been really, like I said, really rewarding challenges that have ended up with great results that I'm super pleased that I got the opportunity to work through. But yeah, it certainly wasn't... Um, getting the team in place I thought would be the the kind of hard bit and then it would get easier and yeah that was not that was not the case Mm. (laughs) yeah I do enjoy some bits of recruitment I think like looking through CVs I learned a lot Mm. oh I learned a lot about my own CV I was like (laughs) fucking hell I'm doing that wrong or oh that's a nice template let me steal that yeah no definitely but also how many bad CVs there are there yes like there are a lot of bad bad CVs yeah but in terms of like the actual hiring, I'm totally with you on that. It's quite hard to know. I was quite lucky when I recently went through the hiring process because someone came across that I just instantly was just like, yes, you are the person. Yeah. And I have to say, I did have that with So I recruited for three roles. A 
and they did have that with a couple. Like it wasn't all, yeah. um, it was, you know, it wasn't all like pulling teeth. Actually, in the end, none of it really was that difficult. But um, I, in the end, I was, you know, I was very set on who I wanted, and the only time I wasn't was the time that it didn't go oh. to plan. So there you go. Like, isn't that a, isn't that a lesson? And yeah, you know, great candidates will present themselves and make themselves known, and you just get a feeling, and you kind of know. But it's just a very strange thing to have to do. And particularly, I think, when you're new to have to recruit because being a recruiter or hiring manager, whatever you want to call it, feels like such a position of authority. And you literally have the opportunity to, like, make or break someone's career. I love that. Do you? Not the breaking. (laughs) The (laughs) The chance to give someone an opportunity that you can tell. Yeah. They really deserve. They might not necessarily have all the skills and everything they're looking for, but you can tell that they really want something and will put everything into it. And I love that. No, I agree. And I do think, like, the biggest challenges reap the highest rewards, and that is certainly the case with recruitment and probably people management in general. But, um, yeah, and like I said, there were very good people that you know I was totally sure about and have worked out amazingly like couldn't be happier with but yeah it's just a strange position I think I was like literally a few weeks into being a manager and I was sat on the other side of the table trying to make someone believe that I could lead them Mm. and that was just so weird like that was a very strange position and then um the biggest challenges have been kind of related to bringing that team in being their kind of main experience of um the company and having set that culture and really work out what I wanted that to be at a point at which I was very early in my career and in my management journey so that was a bit strange to have to kind of deal with things that felt like really big issues like culture um and like values and like purpose Mm. when actually I hadn't really even worked those out for myself but I think this is one of the biggest things I've learned as well is that so much of a being a manager, you think it's a lot about understanding other people, and to a certain amount, it, it to a certain extent, it absolutely is. It's very important, but so much of it is about understanding yourself, and I think that's my only thing that I think maybe I wish I'd spent a bit more time, like sitting with myself yeah. before coming to it, um, because I think since I have become a manager, I've become much more self-aware. I think there's lots of things now. Um, that I know I need to work on strengths I'd like to grow weaknesses I'd like to change you know there's lots of things now that I feel I have a knowledge of that I didn't have before but actually had a real opportunity before I had the team and like you said all those interruptions and things changing and workloads being very different and kind of moving from doing the job to managing the job I can I could have used the time before it to gain a deeper understanding of kind of who I am, what my purpose is, what my values are, what I'm bringing to a team, how I want to be as a leader. Um, and I, I didn't do that because I don't think I realised how important it would be. So I think if I had one kind of thing that I would look back on and maybe change, just making the most of that, kind of, it's not, making it sound like the time before you have kids, but it kind of is not <laughs> dissimilar. Like you, you kind of need to know who you are before you know how to parent someone and I think it's the same like you need to know who you are before you learn how to lead someone because otherwise you're thrown in at the deep end you've got a wailing baby at 3am and you're like what fuck am I doing equally you come to management you've got team asking you question after question challenge coming up project being presented and you're like where do I fit in the middle of all of this? And you don't have that same time to be kind of reflective and introspective, I think, in the same way that you do before it. So if anyone here is kind of 
looking to take that step up thinking about making that next step I would honestly encourage you so much to take some time to work out your core values we've got a whole episode on knowing what kind of leader you want to be which would probably be really helpful um a really helpful place to start with that um because you I think you just lose that opportunity when you become a manager and I'm sure it's something that you know when things calm down when you become more settled you get it back but for that first kind of year it, it does literally feel like firefighting mm. so you can't be as reflective yeah I agree I think going into it I sort of had what I thought was my set of values but I think that's evolved over the year and things have changed a little bit but I agree and also something that you just said actually about going back to what you were saying about being in an interview room and convincing these people that they can be led by you I think that comes back to sort of they probably didn't have any doubts that was you in your mm, head being like yeah oh god will they leave me but they're they're probably just see you as this leader in this role they don't know you from before that and they that's probably the last thing on their mind it's funny isn't it how much of it is our perception yeah yeah i agree but i do think you know and more so now that it's a much more candidate-led market but like candidates are interviewing you too and I think that's a really important part I completely agree they're probably not giving me a full character assassination of like <laughs> oh well you know she seems a bit grumpy or I don't think I agree with how she does that or what like I, I mm. don't imagine that they're kind of you know tearing me apart limb from limb in that way but ultimately a really important part of any job is the manager and leadership that you have so I personally felt like it was on interview like it was on you know it was on display it was something for people to assess during the interview process and rightly so like if they if they had a 20 minute call with me and thought oh, couldn't be managed by her mm. great that they didn't go any further in the process luckily I don't think anyone pulled out for that reason but <laughs> you know if they had yeah great because that meant that other we wouldn't have wasted time we, they wouldn't have joined been miserable had to performance managed you know mm. we could have avoided that scenario yeah definitely has this year been everything that you expected it to be no no not at all i had these ideas that we would reach these big milestones in terms of growth in the area that we work in and i was like right i can push this now but like i said that's not actually how it worked out but actually on the flip side of that and i think it's easier to say a year in than it has been it, and it's it fluctuates massively but I don't think the things that I thought would be hard are as hard and they're not as hard as I thought they would be okay so what's hard that you didn't expect to be hard and what's easy that you didn't expect to be easy I wouldn't I wouldn't say I know I know hard and easy are yeah. very like subjective and we're saying these things in inverted commas because like what one person finds hard is not the same as another person but in your experience what has been an unexpected challenge and what has been an unexpected joy that you didn't you know you didn't think would maybe be as easy as it was I think it's so hard to say this without I need like because I remember in the moment I probably didn't feel like this but a year in I feel like this now is that managing people isn't as hard as I thought it would be and that's partly because I manage the best team that are fully capable of doing their jobs they're absolutely brilliant so that definitely makes that easier um and then the bit that 
I didn't really consider would be that difficult it was but it was getting out of my own head about how things should be done rather than what comes naturally to me and how what feels right versus what a good leader does I think that's been the hardest part I did not expect at all interesting and you talked about kind of taking well making the change between doing the job and managing Mm. people doing the job yeah what has that process been like for you how and you said about kind of holding on to things for quite a long time Mm. and not letting go what made you let go or is there anything that you did that helped with that process and what kind of reflections do you have on that now that transition from doing to managing yeah I think that's something still now that I'm working on and it's because I'll get an email into my inbox and I'll just think oh that will take me like 10 minutes half an hour I'll just do that like the team are busy with their stuff they're cracking on with some brilliant projects I'll just do it but that stacks up so quickly along with the like 90% of my time that's spent in meetings the rest of the time like supporting the team with various different things and so these other little bits that keep coming in kept stacking up and I because they were easy and I can you know I've done it for years and I know how to do it I didn't my brain didn't even process for a really long time pass that on Mm. it didn't even occur to me it wasn't like it wasn't even necessarily like, oh, I feel bad, they're so busy. It was just like, this has come to my inbox, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose it's like moving from thinking of yourself as an individual to thinking of yourself as a collective. Yes. Yeah. And that's such a shift. And I, I think I've gone through little phases of time where I've got so much I have no choice but to do that. And then my brain registers when stuff comes in. Okay, no, that can't be for me because I'm really really busy right now but then it does not I sort of have to force a trigger in my head that's like well you don't have to do everything and yeah. pass this on it's not me like wanting to do everything or trying to control everything it's just doesn't even it took a long time and it's still taking time to register it's okay like you can there's a whole team of people that you can share that amongst and there's times when yeah I have done that and I've been like oh this is brilliant what a relief and then I sort of get not so busy and then it like piles up again. I'm just like, oh, I'll just do that one bit. And, um, but yeah, we, I'm in the stage now where I'm like, delegate, delegate, delegate. Because <laughs> we've got so much on. But I hope that, I really hope that's something that I can tackle in the second year is not having to like force myself to think about that and it will come a bit more naturally. Like, okay, there's this stuff, the team can deal with that. Like not, I have to do everything that comes into my box because I, don't and can't do that Mm. do you think part of that is you kind of having visibility within the organization of being like i'm the person that will do that so people come to you because it's strange because most instances where i would say that probably happens are instances where like the manager holds control of everything and doesn't delegate and doesn't give people the autonomy to you know own specific areas but I know that you do that so I'm trying to work out why that is that still so much kind of comes to you rather than going through your team does that make sense yeah I actually think but we have a team inbox right and so often people will send stuff to that team or send it to me first because that's in the past that's how things have been done i don't actually necessarily and this is something that right from the beginning it's one of those things that i didn't necessarily agree was the right approach but have not changed and i do actually think sending work to there's there's huge benefits to sending getting all requests 
for a team into one inbox because if someone goes off, if someone leaves unexpectedly, everything is in one place. Um, but because people aren't being sent things directly in there, sort of behind the um, name of digital inbox, yeah. you don't, I don't know if so much you connect with the people behind it. And that's something that I'd also like to change going forward. So, yes, we, everything can go to a, one central inbox, but it can also go to key people who lead in their areas. And I think maybe sharing, um, you know, like documents and things of what people lead on what and making sure everyone knows that is probably going to help in the future. There you go, you've got your plan for year two. Yeah, sorted. There we go. <laughs> um, the other thing I was just going to ask you about with that was this idea around delegation. Do you still feel a year in guilt when you delegate? Mm. Or have you ever felt guilt, actually? I don't, know if that's, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth by saying that. But does it still feel difficult to do? No, I think... I don't think I feel guilty. I'm quite conscious of making sure that people aren't overworked. That's something that I've struggled with is knowing other people's capacity and people saying, yes, I can take that on, it's fine, versus if they can actually, you know? And also the other way around, people that say, oh, I'm so busy, I've got this, oh, all this stuff, but actually, are they? Yeah, when you dig into it, there's not a lot Mm -hmm. there. And knowing other people's capacity, capability, that's something I've struggled with. Mm. But then I do think something that I've kind of realised over the last year is that being a manager is not being a mind reader. Like, yeah, you can, you know, there are cues that you can pick up on harder in a virtual environment to pick up on those cues. But you can kind of know if someone's coming across as stressed or they're not, you know, mm. they're not themselves or things, you know, normal things that you know impact them um, are starting to come out or be obvious. That's a hard thing to do though, to pick up on those non-verbal cues when, like I said, virtual presents a challenge, but also you're like a person in your own life and you can't be across what everyone's doing all the time. Um, So a really important part of that is communication. Like I don't don't think that as much as, like I said, that as a manager, you have that bird's eye view and there's certain things you might know, a big part, of it as well I think is like letting go that you're not going to know everything and ultimately it's it's people's responsibility to communicate to you when these issues are presenting themselves Um, and the most you can do I think is set a culture where that's okay Mm -hmm. like it's okay to say if you're stressed or to share feelings of overwhelm or to talk about challenges that are coming up it's not your responsibility to make sure that everyone's 100% 100% yeah. okay all of the time because that's, I just feel like that's a losing battle. I don't feel like yeah. that's something you could ever really accomplish. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not to totally diminish what you just said. No, but no, no I think you're right. I just, you know, throw the work at them if they drown in. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Of course, workload management is a big part of the job, but also giving people the autonomy to manage their own workloads and then let you know when things aren't going as well as they hoped. Yeah, I think it comes to mind, and I have to be quite careful about how I say this because I've experienced someone that is a busy person. Yeah. But being busy and being productive and efficient are quite different things. 
Yeah, and it, but uh, that is, I feel like as a manager, it's almost more important to like see through the people that are not telling you the whole story. Mm. Whereas often people are, are not saying anything are the people that are most struggling. So like to pick up on those things is super important. Um, that is funny. <laughs> mm. And true, but then do you know what I've kind of um, had as well? And I don't quite know this is ha- how this has happened. This is something you and I have spoken about um, already. What? Oh my god! Already, my is um, I don't know how, but my team seem to think that I am rushed off my feet all of the time. <gasps> I have the same thing. How have I done that? Like, mm. why do they think that? And don't get me wrong, I have a workload. I'm I have stuff to do. Sure, like I. I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumbs, but yeah. I'm not so manically stressed that I can't do anything. Like, they'll say things like, oh, I really want to grab some time, but like, oh, you're dying, I know you're really busy, and I know you're doing this. I'm like, it's fine. I can do it. Like, I'm here. I, it's I like don't... our job to be here. I know, yeah. exactly. And it's yeah. like, I'll make time, I'll cancel something else, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. If I have to work late, so be it. Like, if, I, if that's what needs to happen... But how have I set that? How have we set that? How has that happened? I don't know. And I don't know if my team think that. But I certainly have other people in the department business recently that's come to light that they think I'm super busy. And like, yeah, I work hard. But it doesn't mean I can't make time for things. Mm, exactly. And I really don't like this whole thing of like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so, you know, when you ask someone how they are, and I'm like, I was so busy. And it's like, yeah. what? that's not an answer. <laughs> like, and also, if you, because what I, I personally think, and I do think this is quite a new wave way of looking at it. Mm. If you're really busy, manage your time better. Yeah. Like, I don't, and I'm sure, you know, that doesn't apply to like, healthcare staff or like emergency yeah. services like I don't mean that but I mean we're in like office backers yeah <laughs> nine to five. yeah if you're not in life or death situations or you know really really high stakes environments which we're not you are not that busy just manage your time better delegate more get more resource outsource whatever it is yeah. like to me being busy is not a good thing because it shows that you cannot Manage your time effectively. So I don't want to yeah. be seen as manically busy all the time. No. And I don't... And I asked you recently, like, what is it that I do that makes people think that I'm really busy? Like, I think it's... It comes back to what we were sort of saying just now about delegating. Like, I hate the thought of not being asked to be part of something mm. because I'm seen to be busy. Yes. Because I'm 100%. fully capable of prioritising. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, that you've just, like crystallized it permanently mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is like yeah i'm busy there's stuff happening actually no, i'm not going to say i'm busy i'm not i'm not going to say that but yeah i've got work to do there are things that need to be done but exactly to your point i am capable of looking at my workload moving some things into mm-hmm. next week moving some things off my plate onto someone else's you know looking at what is necessary and what is not yeah i think this can vary depending on the type of job that you have because there are some areas of business where you're servicing other of departments course. and then i swear everyone outside of your own department thinks everything is business critical yeah but um <laughs> putting those red flags on the email those high important emails yeah. <laughs> um 
but generally speaking, it's coming from two people who work in marketing, so maybe someone that manages something totally different will say, no, we can't prioritise, like everything's sort of led by everyone else. I hope there are still ways in which you can make that work for you and prioritise what is important, but it's just, you know, our experiences. So, what would you go back and tell yourself if you could? If you could go back to Molly a year ago, mm. send a letter back in time to yourself and tell yourself something about becoming a manager or about what this year would be like, what would you say? A couple of things. Okay. <laughs> you write an essay. You send out a voice note. The biggest thing would be get out of your own head. And I would also tell myself, I've spoken before about how important running is for me and keeping sane and being able to sort of balance those lists in my head and prioritise. Everything's sort of a bit jumbled when I don't run sometimes and everything's like, oh, it needs to be done now, but actually it doesn't. And so I'd say getting out my own head in terms of like judging myself and what I am and I'm not capable of, because I think we are our own, um, what's the word? Worst critics. Um, mm -hmm. We set limitations on ourselves sometimes that it's just, you know, we are capable of anything we want to do because <laughs> that's probably not accurate. Um, but we're capable of massive things. I think I have, it's like limiting beliefs. I think um, I try to cut out and I'd also tell myself, keep running because in those <laughs> times of high stress, that would have saved me. But I was like, I don't have time to run. Mm. But that would have actually solved a lot of time. So yeah, I'd say um, crack down on those limiting beliefs, the imposter syndrome, and just know that I've got this. I can do it. I'm fully capable of doing this. Oh, well, that's lovely. That sounds like a lovely thing to tell yourself. What about you? Um, <laughs> don't take the job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do serious. <laughs> no. Oh my god. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> Um, I think my biggest thing, well, firstly, kind of what I touched on around knowing myself, taking some time with myself, focusing on who I am, what my purpose is, the why, all of that, um, and like digging into that more, I think would have been really helpful. But I think my biggest thing would that I would tell myself is to change my perception of productivity yes because mm -hmm. it fundamentally shifts not just because of like who I am as a person I think objectively anyone when you shift from being a you know assistant exec coordinator whatever a junior job title is in your organization to becoming a manager what you achieve in a day looks so different to how it did before but that doesn't mean that you're not achieving. And actually the one-to-ones and meetings and projects and stuff where I've had, where I felt like, that I've had, where I felt like I'm making the least progress or being least productive are actually the ones in the long term where like the, the rewards speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so getting out of that perception of productivity has to look like tasks ticked off or, you know, a, a to-do list getting shorter that's not what it looks like at all. Actually, your productivity is your people, yeah. is your own purpose and 
making sure that everyone is going in the same direction, everyone knows why they're doing what they're doing. It's helping people to learn and setting the culture and living the values that you want your team to embody. And it's representing the organisation, being that person that is the representative of the organisation, setting that standard, being that voice, managing upwards and maintaining good relationships is such an important part of it as well. There's just so much that isn't like it was before. Yeah. And ultimately, the, those things don't make you any less productive. You are still achieving, you're still doing amazing things. It just doesn't look the same. Mm. Why didn't someone tell us that a year ago? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is it in... Um, I did a team day... Uh, when we did our Colorworks profiles, we did a Discovery Insights day where we kind of like talked through the profiles and you know did some activities and stuff around it. Um, and we had to write a letter to ourselves or like a postcard, not a full letter, like a postcard, um, but like a one-liner. And then our HR director posted it to us like three months later or a month oh, later, wow. something, I can't remember, um, in the future. And that was so weird. So if you're thinking that it would be helpful to... Um, so that was very weird to receive but it was really gratifying and strange it was kind of long enough that you'd forgotten about it and you mm. couldn't remember what you'd written and then opening it was just it was, a, it was a really bizarre experience but it was very um it felt like that you know your past yeah. self talking to yourself and being that voice um getting rid of those limiting beliefs and beliefs and kind of pushing yourself forward so if you're feeling like you have something to say to yourself that you know you can't it, it's different to think it I think kind of writing it down is is quite a good process to go through do that like yeah you know it'd be a bit strange to post it to yourself but like write something to yourself put it away or ask someone that you know to give it to you in a few weeks months time yeah and be that voice that's coming back to yourself from either reminding yourself of something that you're great at you know setting yourself on a path that you really want to follow reminding yourself of a key goal giving yourself a pat on the back, being super kind to yourself, you know, whatever it is. Um, a minor that I wrote to myself actually was, um, it was literally just three words and it was trust your team. I like that. Do you? Mm, thanks. Um, because one thing that we'd like worked on in the workshop was that like I'm a perfectionist and a control freak um, <laughs> not going to carry on with this character assassination but um, like that I want to be in the detail and actually I can't so like just have that layer of trust and just you can know that like I can know that I should trust my team but having it written down in front of me and in the time that had lapsed since I wrote it to when I received it there have been so many examples of where my team had like done amazing things and so many like proof points of why that was so important so then to receive it later was like oh my god yeah yeah I totally agree on the writing stuff down I've experienced something similar recently where I'd had these goals for myself years ago and I wrote down like where I am now with you know I'm the sort of person that puts so much pressure on myself to yeah you do <laughs> To stay up to date, to keep pushing my career, to earn more money, to support you my said, family. So, um, I'm telling tales out of school a little bit here, but I know that you said to someone that we work with recently, I haven't read a self-help book in two weeks. Like, that was a bad thing. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I haven't read a self-help book in, like, two years. But that's... That is not a normal goal. <laughs> that's no. not a normal standard 
to set yourself to. No, it's not. And I put so much pressure on myself. But I recently sat down when trying to make a career decision um, about all the things that I currently have, like the things that I wanted, like financial security. I wanted to feel happy in the role that I'm in. I wanted to work with good people and all these things that I for so long, like was striving for for such a long time. Like I'm already there. And I think... I can't keep moving the goalposts every time. There has to mm. be a point where you become content. It's like people, we talk about people buying houses, like you always sort of want the next size up. Yeah. You've got. And that's, it's sort of similar for me in my career. I need to sort of chill out a bit, you know, I'm only 26. I need to just take some time, take a breath to appreciate all this work that I've put in today and just enjoy right now rather than putting so much pressure on myself to yeah. do everything all of the time alongside raising a family trying to have a social life taking care of myself exercising all these things all these things so yeah, yeah writing down for me actually was also a huge thing and realizing okay we're there got what we wanted yeah so if you are in a position whereby you're celebrating a milestone of your management journey take time like reflect I feel like that it's kind of what you're touching on there mm -hmm. you know don't just think about okay you know I've done year one I've done month one what's next what have you achieved in that time what does that look like for you what are the biggest things that you can reflect on and take forward and write it down yeah. to your point you know not just so that you you know it's I don't feel like writing stuff down isn't just helpful in in goal setting but it's helpful in recognizing your achievements actually putting pen to paper and saying this is what I've done also super great for your CV like how much of stuff do you forget that mm -hmm. you've achieved over time and actually having something you can refer back to and being like oh yeah I did that or well, that was really good or some good feedback or something like make sure that you have things that are concrete that you can come back to on those days where you're feeling like an imposter or like you don't have the confidence that you need to go forward because that like I said about so much of management feeling intangible feeling different or non-productive there are there is concrete evidence that you are doing an amazing job but capturing it is really really important yeah, I couldn't agree more. And one of the best feelings in the world that I had recently, like, not recently, I think it was like at the end of last year, I'd written goals for myself for the following year. And I sat like at the end of the year being like, oh my God, I completely forgot about these goals, but I'd reached like 90% of them. I was oh like, my God, that's amazing. Oh my God, like, I wrote them and sort of forgot about them. I had not come back to them. And I stumbled across them on the notes section on my phone. And I was like, that's insane. Well done. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm. Yeah. It's quite a moment. Yeah, that sounds like a big moment. Wow. You have to let us know what management got. We could maybe do like a goal setting session and then we could like jump mm. in on the, yeah. um, you know, think about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, fab. We're going to slightly break with tradition and I'm going to share a learning this week um, because it is fresh in my mind and I need to share it with people. I was just listening to this podcast episode this morning and um, so I feel like I need to need to talk about it. Um, it is well, at the time of recording, it's the most recent episode of Diary of a CEO. Um, honestly, we should be on like commission with the amount of times we mention um, Stephen Barlow on this podcast. Um, but it was episode one four five um, with Simon Sinek, the author of Start with Why, which I'm sure probably if you're interested in self help and management and leadership, you probably if, if not have read, have certainly heard of. Um, and I think it relates to what we were just talking about with regards to goal setting. Um, he was basically saying how. Goals that relate to selfish things or the self in general, like 
I think the example that Stephen Bart shared in classic style was like get a six pack for summer. That has absolutely no fulfillment at the end because it is purely related to yourself and yourself alone. Our most meaningful goals come from the impact that we make on other people. And when I first heard that, I was a bit like, does that not kind of diminish the power of the individual and like the self-care and self-worth and the value and everything like that? Like our lives shouldn't be determined by other people or people pleasing, I think was the way I was kind of thinking like, "Mm, not sure about that. But actually he was talking about how it is so intrinsically linked to our genetics. You know, we're social animals. We want to make we want to make an impact on other people. Um, and it doesn't have to look like, you know, sacrificing yourself and your own self-worth to make someone else happy. All it means is that the goals that you will get the most fulfillment from are ones where you can see a tangible difference in other people or it's an act of service. But it struck me as a really interesting point for managers. Obviously, so much of what we do is people-oriented. So much of it is about um, you know, our social connections within our teams, building those relationships. And so it made me wonder if setting goals as a team rather than setting kind of individual objectives, which is something that we do within our current organisation, might be a really helpful way to, for people to find more kind of career fulfilment. Because like you said about you're on the house, you're on the you know property ladder, you want to take the next step up, you're in your career ladder, you want to ne- the next promotion. But ultimately, those are things that are just kind of for you. And because it's really difficult to kind of celebrate yourself, it's just not something that you get a lot of fulfillment from or can even sometimes recognise when it's happened, to your point about kind of not knowing that you'd achieved your own goals. Whereas when you can see a difference in other people or in a kind of physical outcome, um, it makes a really big difference. So I would highly recommend going to listen to that episode um, to hear him talk about, to hear Simon Sinek talk about that in much more eloquent detail. Um, But I just thought it was a really interesting kind of highlight from the episode because, Christ, it's like two hours long. So, I mean, you don't, people might not have time to go and listen to the whole thing, but if you only have time to um, get one learning, I would say that that is probably the most interesting from a management perspective. Lovely. Um, But yes, I would definitely recommend going and having a listen to that. So... What's next? We will be back in a fortnight with a brand new episode. But in the meantime, please follow us on Instagram at New Managers Club to make sure you don't miss any of the action. Also, please subscribe to this podcast to make sure that you're up to date with all of our latest episodes. You can also leave us a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear your feedback. And let us know what you're thinking of this series. Hopefully, good. Maybe don't leave us one star review. If you hate it, just send us a direct message on Instagram where no one can <laughs> see it. Um, but thank you so much for listening and we cannot wait to see you in our next episode. Until then, bye for now. Bye.